Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of AP Human Geo in 20 Minutes. I am your host, Mr. Linder. Uh, we are back after a little hiatus. Um, this will be the first episode recorded um, from my home in Arlington, Virginia. We are right in the middle of a quarantine that unfortunately is going to uh, take us out of school for the remainder of the year. Um, so it, uh, it sucks. I won't be able to, uh, to see you guys the rest of the year. Um, but still want to be here for you to, uh, help you out with the AP exam, um, which in about nine days we'll be figuring out when that is actually going to be taken. Um, if you have not seen already, uh, the AP exam is just going to cover units, uh, one through five. So everything that we have already covered in class, I'm not going to be covering anything from unit six or seven. Um, so we'll probably find out more about that in the next couple of weeks. So keep checking Google Classroom. Uh, in the meantime, um, let's get into su- some stuff from Unit 5. Um, yeah, so uh, Unit 5 is all about agriculture. Uh, again, going off the, um, the study guide here, starting with number one, draw and describe the von Thunen model. Um, obviously, I can't draw that for you guys, but remember the basic concept of the von Thunen model, which... It's created in the early 1800s um, by the Dutch guy uh, um, von Thunen. Um, said that we are all agricultural workers who are selling our products to a market at the center um, of where we are living. And as farmers or agricultural workers, we need to balance the cost of land versus the cost of transportation. So generally things that are more expensive to transport um, and things that you need less space for are going to be closer to the city uh, where land's more expensive. So things like dairy production, uh, market gardening, fruits and vegetables, things that spoil very quickly and are expensive to transport are going to be closer to the city. Um, and things you need more space for like grain farming or livestock ranching or something like that are going to be uh, further outside the city. Um, number two, what are survey patterns? How do they differ across the country? Um, so we didn't get to survey patterns. Uh, survey patterns are something that uh, can kind of fit into a bunch of different units and don't fit into one unit really well more than any other one. Um, I was going to save them for the next unit, but on the chance that they do show up on your AP test, uh, we have three main types of land survey patterns. So uh, when we survey land, we decide kind of how we're going to divide it up. Um, the three basic ones are uh, meets, M-E-T-E-S, meets and bounds. Um, which is uh, where you get like irregular shaped um, land. Um, so like I'm a farmer and my land is going to extend from the road to the big oak tree, to the stream, to the forest, and back to the road. Um, and it's not going to be shaped like a perfect square or circle or something like that. Um, that's typical of the Northeast, um, places like Massachusetts and Maine, Vermont, places like that. Um, then we've got what we call uh, township and range, which you're going to find all across the Midwest. The land ordinance of 1785, 1787, I can't remember now, established the township and range um, land survey pattern. And that's where you get the grid formation. So a township uh, is made up of 36 square miles. So each like township was six by six miles. Uh, it was a square, six by six miles. So again, 36 square miles within that town square. And so it could be uh, e- township square. So it could be easily divided up. It's so like, you know, you could say, I own these four square miles in the upper Northwest corner of blah, 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 township, or 
Um, like I went to I went to school at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, but Oxford was part of um, Oxford Township. So Oxford, this city, was one square mile um, that was a part of the the overall township. Um, and then finally, uh, we've got uh, French Long Lot. Um, so French Long Lot is these long, like skinny rectangles. Um, so imagine like uh, you've got farmers that are all trying to access uh, water from a river. And rather than have, having like one farmer that controls a big chunk of land on the river, everyone has access to the river. So you've got like long, skinny lots. That's why it's called long lots. So everyone has uh, a decent chunk of land, but um, it, it all kind of connects to the river so you can farm that land. So imagine kind of like row houses or something like that. But instead of like a house, it's, it's an actual plot of land. So those are my three main ones, meets and bounds, township and range, and French long lot. Um, in French Long Lot, again, you can find in a lot of places where French people have settled, so like New Orleans, uh, Canada, and places like that. Number three, identify and describe the first agricultural revolution. Um, so the first agricultural revolution is when human beings first domesticated plants and animals, which allowed us to produce a food surplus, which allowed civilizations um, to form. Uh, because we no longer had to go out and hunt and gather, uh, we could you know, build defensive walls and have armies and have governments and that sort of thing. So the domestication of plants and animals led to the first agricultural revolution. That's where you get the rise of civilizations uh, in Babylon and Egypt, uh, Indus River Valley, Yellow River Valley in China, places like that. Uh, number four, identifying describe the second agricultural revolution. Uh, this one occurred alongside the Industrial Revolution. It's where we started to mechanize farming for the first time. So we started to move away from, from hand tools and animal power and that sort of thing to, to uh, machines. Um, we also uh, really started to buy into private property, and it, especially in England, got rid of the commons. We started the enclosure movement, which led to large farms. Large farms could produce more food. Um, it's where we started to get to the four-field crop rotation um, and things like that. Then finally, number five, identify and describe the third agricultural revolution. It's also known as the Green Revolution. Remember, green has nothing to do with like being environmentally friendly. In fact, the third ag agricultural revolution is kind of against that. It's all about uh, pesticides and chemicals and fertilizers, agribusiness, heavily mechanized farming, uh, gigantic farms, uh, and, and that sort of thing, G uh, genetically modified organisms. Um, and companies like Monsanto, uh, industrialization of food like McDonald's. Um, so all that stuff is a part of the third agricultural revolution. Uh, six, identify commercial farming, subsistence farming, slash and burn farming, shifting cultivation, double cropping, truck farming, Mediterranean agriculture. Where do these types of farming occur? Uh, so again, commercial farming, we are farming to feed other people. We are not farming to feed ourselves. We are farming for profit. Uh, we are farming in an MDC, a more developed country. Uh, again, we are farming for sale off the farm. Uh, we generally are in a larger farm that is more heavily mechanized. Contrast that with subsistence farming. It's usually occurring in an LDC country. It is for consumption by the farmer and his or her family. Uh, it might be for sale in like a small market or something like that, but it's not generally part of the national economy. It's still using mainly, mainly hand tools and animal power, much more small scale. Um, not connected to agribusiness and that sort of thing. Slash and burn farming is typical of subsistence farmers that are in tropical locations, uh, places like the Amazon rainforest. It, it, it is what it sounds like. You go into the rainforest, you slash it down, you burn it, you farm it for a couple of years, you move on to the next plot of land. <clears throat> 
Shifting cultivation is also um, part of subsistence farming. Um, with shifting cultivation, again, it is what it sounds like. You farm a plot of land until you have exhausted the soil, and then you shift to a new plot of land. Um, thousands and thousands of years ago, when we only had a few million people on Earth, shifting cultivation uh, was something that was much more feasible. You could farm a plot of land, use it up. 20 years later, you could come back and farm that plot of land again. Now we just have too many people to feed and too many people taking up space that um, we can't we can't do that any longer. Double cropping is when you get multiple yields, in this case two yields out of the same field in the same year. So you harvest twice from the same field. Um, we especially looked at this with wet rice farming in subsistence agricultural areas where um, I build a terrace farm. I farm on that terrace. I harvest that that crop. I move that crop to a flooded field, and then I replant and reharvest from the terrace again. Um, truck farming, also known as fruit farming, um, originated in England. Uh, the idea again is that I am um, truck used to mean bartering, so think of it like a market. Uh, but in today's vernacular, we're talking about literally getting the products off of off of the vine, off of the tree, onto the truck, and into the market as quickly as possible because things like fruits and vegetables spoil much more quickly. Mediterranean agriculture is another type of agriculture we find in uh, commercial farming uh, in places like the Mediterranean, places like California, regions that produce wine, olives, olive oil, um, dense grains, uh, almonds, things like that. Uh, number seven, how do livestock fattening and livestock ranching differ? I remember with livestock fattening, we're trying to fatten up the cow as quickly as possible. Um, so usually the cow is not grazing. It is in a feedlot. Um, that cow is fed corn um, because the corn is going to fatten the cow up quicker. Uh, the cow is also not moving, so it's going to fatten up quicker. Uh, its manure either has to be removed or flushed away. Um Usually livestock fattening, they're fed uh, some type of hormone or product uh, to keep ammonia and salmonella from growing in them since they're not uh, biologically engineered to be eating corn. With livestock ranching, um, I'm typically, it's typically taking longer um, because the cow is building up muscle instead of fat because it's roaming around an open range. It's eating the grass, which it's naturally supposed to do. Uh, the manure is then re-fertilizing the field. Um, so it's healthier, but it takes a little bit longer, which oftentimes is why um, grass-fed beef is more expensive than corn-fed beef. And again, that corn is uh, subsidized as well, so that keeps costs down. Rate identify plantation crops and suitcase farms. Remember, plantation crops and suitcase farms are in LDCs. They are LDC farming, but they are for consumption in MDCs. So we're talking about plantation crops like bananas, uh, Dole and Chiquita are the two main banana uh, corporations. And again, most of those products are consumed in MDCs, um, coffee, chocolate. Those are all plantation crops uh, that, again, are grown in LDCs, but for the most part are consumed by uh, people in places like Europe and the United States. Uh, discuss the debate surrounding GMOs. Um, so first of all, GMOs have... Uh, allowed us to produce more food than we ever have thought possible. The food is larger. In some cases, it's more um, nutrient-rich or dense. Uh, it's generally um, resistant to pesticides, and uh, it's resistant to the, the pests themselves. Um, so those are all good things. Uh, bad things, GMOs are actually owned. Um, the Supreme Court case in the mid-1990s allowed uh, companies to patent life. So GMOs are owned by corporations. Um, so they're no longer owned by the, the farmer. Um, so that is definitely something that um, certain people are concerned about. 
Also, we don't know the effects that GMOs uh, have on human beings. There are many debates in the scientific community, community about whether uh, GMOs are bad for us long term, whether they may cause cancer or other um, genetic diseases. Um, and also what this does to the land, um, is it creating superbugs that are resistant to all types of pesticides and herbicides and, uh, and things like that. Return identified transhumans and pastoral nomadism. Remember, these two are linked. Pastoral nomads are moving uh, animals around, um, and transhumans is the seasonal migration of livestock. So when it's warmer, um, we're going to try to move our, um, our livestock to a higher latitude or higher elevation areas where it's cooler. And then when the winter months hit, we're going to leave the mountains, we're going to leave the higher latitude areas, and we're going to migrate to lower latitude and lower elevation areas where it's warmer. Number 11, what causes desertification? What impact does this have on agriculture? So a couple of things. Desertification is the expansion of desert areas. Um, one thing that causes it is global warming. Um, another thing that causes it is overuse of groundwater. Um, another thing that causes it is the overgrazing of livestock. Um, so as we overuse groundwater, um, the, uh, the ground gets drier. Um, it allows the, the desert to expand. As we overgraze areas, meaning we strip away um, grasses and natural shrubs that help protect against the expansion of the desert. Uh, the desert also continues to grow. Um, so in doing that, we, we lose groundwater, so we lose uh, the ability to keep land farmed. Um, we also lose grazing land. Um, and so as we continue to develop a taste for meat, we need land for grazing and things like that. Um, these desert areas are going to continue to expand along with warming temperatures. Number 12, how does organic farming influence current farming practices? I remember um, in the last 10 or 15 years, organic farming has doubled and doubled and doubled and continued to grow and grow and grow. And yet uh, only one to 2% of our farmland in the United States is organic. So we are shifting to more organic things. In most grocery stores, there are um, a bunch of organic uh, farming products that you can buy. Still in, in most restaurants, especially most restaurant chains, um, most of what you're buying is not organic. Um, but people are starting to move to more sustainable farming practices. People are starting to buy local. People are starting to buy from farmers markets uh, and things like that. Number 13, describe the Columbian Exchange and its influence on agriculture. Now, the Columbian Exchange is this uh, general exchange of ideas, people, uh, products, diseases between the old world, Africa, Europe, uh, and Asia, and the new world, North and South America. And the exchange of people and diseases, obviously, is a very, very important thing. Um, but for us, we need to understand the impact of um, agricultural products and animals. Um, so, for example, um, you know, the turkey was native to North and South America. That became a big part um, of the, the food diet in Europe. Uh, the horse, um, the cow, the pig, the goat, that was all native to Europe, Asia, and Africa. Um, those obviously became very, very important to North and South America, um, especially when we look at cattle production, chicken production, things like that. Um, and then um, when we look at uh, the horse and how that played an important role in Native American culture. Um, with agricultural products, um, things like the tomato and the potato were part of North and South America. They became a part of European people's diets. We cannot think of Italian food without thinking of the tomato and tomato sauce. Um, Ireland uh, went through the potato famine in the 1840s that brought uh, millions of Irish immigrants to the United States that would not have happened without the Columbian Exchange. Um, 
Number 14, what were the earliest agri- where were the earliest agricultural hearths located? Um, that's where we see the rise of civilization. So again, places like Egypt, Babylon, um, uh, the Indus River Valley, um, Mesoamerica, um, those places where people first started to domesticate plants and animals are where we first started to see civilizations. Number 15, what is meant by sustainable resources, sustainable farming? Um, that's the idea that we leave resources and we leave the land for the generations that come after us. So are we replenishing resources? Are we using renewable resources instead of non-renewable resources? Um, are we using mixed crop and livestock instead of monocropping? Um, and are we keeping the land healthy enough to sustain future generations rather than stripping it and leaving it bare um, for, for hundreds, if not thousands of years? Number 16, what is monocropping and how does it relate to agribusiness? Remember, mono, singular, one, only growing one crop um, with things like herbicides and fertilizers. Um, now we don't necessarily have to have crop rotation. We can have these big, massive farms that are a part of agribusiness um, where the farmer is usually just growing one product. And in some cases, that farmer is beholden to the corporation. So in Food Inc., uh, we looked at some chicken farmers that farm just for Tyson. Uh, we looked at the soybean farmers that are pretty much all working with Monsanto. Um, in the PBS documentary, uh, we looked at the corn farmer out in Kansas whose grandfather used to grow a, a bunch of different crops, uh, but now he only grows corn um, as a way to be a part of um, E85 ethanol and to be part of the hundreds of different products uh, that are made out of corn. Um, we saw in both documentaries that things from diapers to charcoal to syrup are all made out of corn. Um, in the PBS documentary, we looked at the uh, the chicken nugget that had 36 ingredients in just a little chicken nugget, and 30 of them uh, were made out of corn. We feed corn to chickens. We feed for, corn to salmon. Uh, we feed corn to cows. Uh, so monocropping is, is uh, directly related to agribusiness. All right. Um, so that is it for Unit 5. Um, stay tuned for some more podcast stuff uh, and some more review stuff for uh, the AP test whenever that may happen. Um, keep checking Google, Google Classroom. Let me know if you guys have any questions, and I'll talk to you soon.